0: You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by Winter Dormancy. We all deserve to be dormant every now and then. In case you didn't know, this is a special episode of Rootbound. By the way, my name is Steve. I'm the host of the show. And normally on Rootbound, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them. And then I share with the guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. But every now and then we do these special episodes that are based on seasons and plants in general. But however, this time we're talking about winter, but I happen to be in Mexico. So I thought we would do a special episode about winter in Mexico City, and what you just heard there, that music you just heard, uh, occurred a little bit ago when a uh, a trio, a musical trio, joined my family and I on a boat. And if you've been to Mexico City, you probably already know what I'm talking about, but if you haven't, we'll learn a little bit more about that later in the program. But that song that the band was playing uh, is called Flor de Azalea, which means azalea flowers. And coincidentally it happened to follow some of the themes that we're going to hear in the show the themes of ebb and flow of cycles of renewal and of brighter days ahead around the corner let's hear a little bit more of that song and uh, then jump right into this special winter in mexico city episode of rootbound Welcome to the winter special episode of Rootbound, And this is a particularly special one. You might hear some background sound. Hopefully the magic of artificial intelligence can get rid of a lot of it. Um, but uh, I am in a tour bus in Mexico City with a whole bunch of my family. Um, some of them might be chiming in here with some other facts about winter and plants soon. Um, but we're actually on our way to Milko which is very appropriate for uh, this podcast because Xochimilco in the Nahuatl language means flower field, which references the various plants, flowers and plants that were grown there in ancient times, and all the way through today, it's still an active flower and plant market, which is very cool. And because we are in Mexico City, I thought it would be very interesting to uh, have some fun facts and dazzling details related to um, ancient Mexico culture and winter. Which I thought would be very interesting. Also, just one more note: you might hear some commentary from my little kid, who is in a car seat right next to me. Um, but bef- yeah, before we get started here, let me talk about a interesting fact that I read about um, the basically the winter solstice festival of the Mashika people, which is called um, and uh, Carla can correct me if I pronounce this cr- wrong. Um, Panketslatsli is the name of. <laughs> it was, how, how would you say that? No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Um, this is the this is essentially the winter solstice festival and it celebrates you know the winter solstice um, I I need the notes (laughs) it it celebrates so Pan Quetzalcoatl Pan is the winter solstice festival of the Mexica people, and it celebrates the the um, symbolic rebirth of the sun, which is, you know, after the winter solstice, is when the sun starts to come back again after winter. So that's, you know, a very interesting thing. And there's there's a few uh, very plant-specific things related to this festival, and the, the main one I wanted to share right now is... So uh, the... Uh, The festival is celebrating the return of the sun and also the return of the Mexica god Huitzilopochtli. 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 What Carla said. Um, And this is like the the prime, like the main god of the Mexica people who, you know, ruled ancient Mexico City. I wouldn't say say he's the main, but he's one of the main. Fair enough. He's, he's, He's an important dude. And he's also represented by the returning sun, as far as I understand. Um, so that's why this festival uh, celebrates, uh, we supposedly. Um, but during this uh, period, which is a 20-day period, which I think is based on the the months that were. Uh, the Mashika months. Um, I have this quote from an article. It says, "During the entire twenty days, gratitude is shown towards all trees and plants for providing fruits, grains, herbs, firewood, etc., and they are adorned with decorations in the forms of painted banners fabricated from strips of papel de amate, which is bark paper." So I think that's pretty, pretty nice little, um, a little nice little uh, ritual to like adorn the plants that give you food and everything you need from them with little pieces of paper but the paper is also made of a plant i did i did read about this papel de amate, and there's various there's a few different species of trees called amatal tree which uh you use the bark to make a paper and this was i think the most important paper of um you know the ancient uh mexica culture and it is the trees are various species I, i i read at least three species of ficus so fig trees and there's a process of peeling the bark into very, very high quality paper, similar to I think the papyrus or how um, in ancient China um, mulberry bark was used to make paper. So I think that's pretty cool. Little cute paper banners dedicating all to all the plants that give us everything. Okay, so that's my fun, dazzling detail about plants related to the um, ancient Mexica festival of the solstice. And now I think my sister Harmony here has some things to share about plants and winter uh, in general.
1: The plants in winter that appear to us to be dead are one of the things during the winter that draw our minds towards larger cycles of time, because we know that the plants are going to come back, and so there are lots of cultures that regard plants as having their beings that, who have something to teach us. and. And the way that they teach us is by being exactly what they are. So plants that die in the winter that we know are going to come back during different seasons and then die again in the winter direct our minds to cycles of time. And it's cycles of time, cycles of ebb and flow, of generation and corruption and generation again that that make us alive. If, if something doesn't do that, um, flourish and then draw back and then flourish again in different ways, whether that's in a pattern that's really close to us like breath or the, the 500 year fire cycles of an old growth forest. If it doesn't do that, then it's not alive, and that's one of the great things that plants can teach us during the winter: is that all growth and all life requires a period of um, dormancy, perhaps dormancy that requires steadfastness and resourcefulness.
0: Yeah. So that okay, that ties into a couple things that ties into a couple things. One it, it it very much similar to this what to mentioned, this um festival of pancatsulatsali oh man, I'm mispronouncing that terribly. Um but you know this the the solstice is the symbol of the rebirth of the sun, but it's also the kind of beginning of the rebirth of plants as well, right? You can't you can't have a spring without the solstice happening, right? So it reminds me of that. And then the other thing I was I was thinking about, which just being here in Mexico City is interesting, is I feel like in most of um Uh, Like, in the United States, when we learn about the seasons, we learn about a very, like, European-centric seasons with, like, spring, fall, and winter. And we have a lot of that kind of seasons in parts of the U.S., too. But, like, we grew up in Texas, and California doesn't really have the seasons like that. And here in Mexico City, the seasons are not the same. But there are still seasons. It's just not, like, what we learn about with, like, the leaves falling, and there being snow, and then there being daffodils... Right. It is it's different cycles that happen in different places, and the plants are the indicators of that, which is pretty interesting seeing that here in Mexico City because, you know, there is not really any uh, uh, leafless trees here right now, even though we're in the dead of winter.
1: Yeah, it's very green here.
0: Huh? Yeah, it's very it's green.
1: It's very green here. It makes, um, <sighs> it makes, it gives a lot of context to a festival where they celebrate the plants Yeah. here because it's a, a greener time. But I was going to say that, um, what's the name of that festival? Pan Quetzalcoatl? Pan I
0: think, I'm probably mispronouncing that, so apologies to the Nahuatl speakers listening to the show.
1: I was thinking it's more than just kind of nice. Think about um, what that means to celebrate plants in that way and adorn them, to have that type of relationship, like that's that's developing a relationship with a being yeah. and if sitting with what that really means as more than just kind of nice and a and a like a tradition to hold it's that's investing in a relationship yeah. and being um, being in relation to the earth in a way that the commercialized world isn't has lost and is like um dead inside in that way
0: (laughs) very true well speaking of that let's talk about christmas trees (laughs) oh yeah christmas trees are an interesting phenomenon in in you know western culture where we bring it we bring a tree inside for the winter and it is it is kind of a thing of it's it is based on celebrating life right because you bring an evergreen tree in size which is evergreens ever oh evergreens trees are symbols of um of like life in the winter which is very cool but it has become this commercial thing and um and so we we end up like you know having this whole like tree farm thing which is in, which is interesting but to transition maybe away from that part i wanted to talk about one thing about Christmas trees in winter that I that I recently kind of went down rabbit holes like when I grew up with Christmas trees you always think oh pine trees Christmas trees are pine trees but that's pretty vague there's a lot of pine trees but also we use spruce trees as Christmas trees we use fir trees as Christmas trees and they it's interesting we've applied this label of Christmas tree and then when I was a kid I always thought that was they're all like the same tree but they're really not they're really varied and so for example we have the first Christmas tree we've had, for a number of years at our house because we have a little kiddo and she needs a Christmas tree. And so we got a very small one, but it was a, a Fraser fir. And the Fraser fir is super fascinating because it's an endangered species. It grows in the Appalachian Mountains. It really only has like a very limited natural range, but we have actually like conserved it for its value. Our little kid is is... Has opinions about Fraser firs, but we have conserved the Fraser fir its value as a Christmas tree. So I thought that was pretty interesting when I read about the tree in our in our little house.
1: Um, that actually that makes me think of um, like the the book The Botany Desi- of Desire by uh-huh. Michael Pollan, where it's about how plants in their relationship with us have cultivated themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I had one more thing to say about that. That. I kind of lost oh um the idea of conservation through use, and that's not exactly what mm-hmm. conservation of the freezer fur is because it's kind of like it's closer to the botany of desire thing where it's like um we're um it's almost like um, I don't know how they do it with the Fraser fir specifically, but it's like a promotion of monoculture in order to sure. like keep yeah. a plant alive. And that's a little bit different. But it takes me to the idea of conservation through use, which is like, um, instead of monoculture, a lot of hunters, um, like hunters, not like... Um, Trophy hunters yeah not like trophy hunters but the kinds of hunters like the guy there's a guy you told me about in Romania who oh, was yeah, like yeah. I will you must live in the forest for four days and then I will allow you to take an animal yeah. Um where that's m- more like being in relation yeah. to the land and having a relationship to the being that is the land um, but that little it's kind of funny that um, because that fur was conserved it has like propagated itself along along with us. And yeah. that has like, that has a grain of that relationality, even though it's like a little bit perverse and sure. taken out of context.
0: And we've just gotten to our, our uh, maybe first stop on the tour, which is the town of Khan. So we're gonna hit pause here and we'll pick this up later on the way to Xochimilco. los ríos, Flor de Azalea, la vida en su avalancha te arrastró. Pero al salvarte, hallar pudiste protección y abrigo donde curar tu corazón herido por el dolor. So this is the original recording of the song, Flor de Azalea, by the um, famous trio Los Panchos, which is one of the most famous um, musical groups in Mexico. They were active in, like, the 1940s or so. Um, but just a little bit of a correction from what I said earlier. Um, I said the town of Coyoacan, which is kind of accurate, it's actually a borough of Mexico City, but at one point it was an independent village. But Coyoacan is a really charming uh, neighborhood in Mexico City. Um, It has got a lot of really cool history and it's probably most famous for being the home of the Casa Azul, which is the home and now museum of the late Frida Kahlo transitioning over to some plant aspects of Coyoacan it has a really awesome market with fruits and vegetables and spices from all over the country and all over the world and it's just a visual and olfactory wonder to walk through that market and while we were there we stopped and we had some quesadillas and I had two quesadillas which were really cool, one that had wheat lacoche in it, and if you don't know, wheat lacoche is a kind of a fungus that grows on corn. It's really interesting. Look up pictures. It, it like looks pretty bizarre, but it's super tasty. And then I also had a quesadilla that had um, squash flowers in it, which is really cool. And I grow squash every year, but I need to do more with the flowers. Um, they're really tasty, and there's lots of cool stuff you can do with them. So those quesadillas definitely inspired me. And uh, I think that's all about the visit to Coyoacan. Let's hop back in that tour bus and uh, learn some other things about winter in Mexico City. Okay, we're back from lunch. We just had a lunch in the Market of Koyokan, which is really awesome. Lots of fruits and vegetables, really fun things to see there. Uh, Harmony, did you see anything really cool in there, fruit, vegetable, plant-wise?
1: Yes, I saw giant bags of spices.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw a huge bag of anise or anise. It was, like, really cool. I took a picture. It was, like, next to some dried plums and stuff, too.
1: Dried great. plums? Yeah,
0: and other other stuff. I took a good picture. I'll, I'll maybe post it in the show notes. Um... Yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, and so now we're on our way to Milko, and there's something which I was going to maybe try to buy in there, but I think I'll try to buy it in Xochimilco, which is relevant to winter and some of the things we were speaking about earlier with this uh, solstice festival. And uh, Carla, c- could you explain to the audience what an alegría is? It's a candy, like an old-fashioned candy. Explain more. Um, it's made out of amaranth and um, some kind of sweetener. I want to say honey. But I'm not I don't remember exactly. That is true. I believe the sweetener is actually agave syrup traditionally, but I think you could probably do it with honey too. Um, so how so this yeah, this this really traditional candy that is amaranth and, and agave syrup and it may, it's kinda like a it's kinda like an amaranth rice crispy treat <laughs> I guess a little bit. If you've never had amaranth, it's like it's it's somewhat related to quinoa, even though they are different genuses, but it's a very tiny grain. Um, and so these candies kind of look like these little bricks of that, that, that popped amaranth. But how that applies to winter, and specifically to this, the solstice, is that during this festival, which I forget how to pronounce the name already, Pan, Pan uh, they would make an effigy of, um, what's the name of the, the principal um, deity again? Not the principal deity. No. One of the ones. Huitzilopochtli. Yes, Huitz, Huitzilopochtli, Pochli. Close enough. They would make an effigy to him out of this material amaranth and agave syrup. And that was one of the things that apparently like really like That you know, when the when the when the Spanish showed up, the Catholics were like, We can't have any idols and they banned the creation of these candies. But they still exist today as candies. I think it was just kinda of like, you know, on the down low for a while. Um, and I think they are in shapes of animals and stuff now. I don't know if there's any specifically they sell in the shape of wheat supposedly now, but traditionally that was one of the, the things. Well, growing up, they were just like a square or a circle. Um, there were They didn't really have any shapes that I remember. Interesting, interesting. Uh, well, we'll keep our eye out of whether there are any shapes or not. But yeah, very tasty and related to the winter because it was a part of the celebration of the winter solstice to eat this, uh, which is now a very common candy. You see it in markets all over Mexico City. But yeah, it was part of this uh, traditional ceremony to make a you know, v- a, a uh, effigy to this god and then consume it as part of the ritual. Yeah, it it's, uh, seems pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, those candies are good. I think we should buy some uh, in a little bit and, and try the alegría, which means, means just happiness, right? Yeah, so I think that's also nice. It just it, The name of the candy is, means happiness.
1: Uh-huh. Is that that
0: candy? Yeah. yeah. Hey everybody, I bought some alegrías, which is the candy I was just talking about. Made out of amaranth and agave syrup, or maybe honey, depending. Honey uh, is mean, the, the original one.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. They make it with white, dark, milk, chocolate. This is a chocolate one. Also, they have some
0: mm-hmm. one with uh, chocolate mint, mint chocolate, Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I want to it for Carla. Oh, sorry, Carla. Which one? Okay, pass those down. And I have some with nuts. Uh, First one, with nuts. thank you. And then the normal one. I think that one is the most traditional one. This one when with I the nuts, one? yeah. Alegrias. Um, Alegrias, yeah. And then this is just the normal one. Okay, got it. <laughs> is she really well covered. Uh, she's pretty chilly. She's pretty well covered. She keeps keeping soft. That, that candy's good. That's really good. Water, Yum.
1: I like it. You can see what A little, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah this is just the beginning. I mean, but it's still like canals. So it's not like a. They're canals. Yeah. canals. yeah, it's a whole. It's a city where the streets are water. It's really like like Venice, but of Mexico. And the whole this whole area is pre Hispanic and sort of. I mean, there wasn't tourism then, but there's still people growing flowers and plants here. And the name Xochimilco means flower fields. Little okay? totally Oh, that good. candy's addicting. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Perfumada, y con el rocio bañadas, robecitas, primavera, que llegue en su trajinera engalanada, Xochimilco y Zapalapa, ay qué lindas florecitas mexicanas. just a little bit of context for what you heard there. As we were eating those alegrías, my family and I were just settling into a special kind of boat called a trajinera to travel down the canals of the town called Xochimilco, or actually more specifically a borough of Mexico City now called Xochimilco, but at one time an independent city called Xochimilco. And the song that you're hearing is also called Xochimilco, it is by uh, the trio Cavaleras And it was from a film called Mexico Lindo that was made in 1938. I'm trying to track down a a digitized version of that film, but I can't find it. It seems pretty interesting. It was a musical, I think, about beautiful Mexico. But let's talk a little bit more about Xochimilco because it's a very fascinating place. It's a really ancient place. People have been living in that area since around 900 BC. But around a thousand years ago, it formed into more of what we know of a city. And it was based around this method of growing crops and flowers that are called chinampas. And as from what I understand, chinampas is a way of building up land in wetlands, or in this case, a shallow lake called Lake Xochimilco, and building up these small rectangular plots of land using uh, earth from around to build these very fertile, small patches of land. And those chinampas... And the remnants of the ancient ones still exist today in this area of canals around this village of Xochimilco. And there's a huge part of this um, these canals which are very much tourist heavy. But there's also parts which are just still operating flower farms, other kinds of uh, crops growing in this really, really interesting place. Right kind of in the heart of the um, district of Mexico City, which is very, very fascinating. So it's a really cool place. And and so this is why it has to do with plants. It's called Xochimilco. It means flower fields. Um, Plants are really a focus there. There's still tons of plant sales all around this area. Um, But what does it have to do with winter in Mexico City? And it doesn't exactly. However, I've been to Xochimilco twice in my life, and both times have been in December. And from my observation, when you go to Xochimilco in December... All of these special boats called Trajineras, which as, as you can look up pictures of them, they're very cool, but they're these very long boats, and there's a guy in the back who's pushing them through the water, kind of like they do in Venice, but they're much, much bigger boats, and they have a big table in the middle, and uh, everyone can sit across the table and, and eat and drink and have fun, and people uh, bring food to you and drinks to you, and you can buy things from vendors on these different boats, it's very cool. But if you go there in December, there's lots of tourists, yes, but there's also, I think, lots of people from Mexico City, local people with their families, enjoying this wonderful thing in the winter when families have time to get together. And that's happened to me both times that I've been to Xochimilco. And so I think there is a little bit of that that joy of winter and that joy of, of uh, getting together with family and uh, celebrating the, the, you know, the dead of winter and that hope. Right around the corner, and so that's why I think Sochi Milko, and to me, is connected with winter as well as it is with plants. And with that, I think uh, that wraps up our episode. Thank you for listening to this uh, special, maybe a little bit unusual um, episode of Rootbound. And we'll speak to you in the next episode. <laughs> On this special winter in Mexico City episode of Rootbound, you heard mostly from my sister Harmony, also a little bit from my wife Carla, and a smattering of other family members there. Also, special thanks to our tour guide Yoon and Estigo Tours for shuttling my family around to a bunch of different places. Uh, it was a lot of fun. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com/support to find all the ways you can support the show, including supporting the show on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by Alegría Fan. Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Krigaskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, gather up your family, travel down to Xochimilco, rent out a trajinera, and have a wonderful time in the winter. Excuse me while I go dormant.